2 Kings chapter 20, and just one verse. I, there's so much I could read here, but I decided just to rest on one particular verse, and then we'll put it into context as we move along. Verse 19, in your hearing, there's a conversation between the king and the prophet. And the prophet has spoken dreadful words of judgment to come. And the king will now answer Isaiah. And he will say to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. And he said, Is it not good? It's got to be good. If peace and truth be in my days. So to the impending peril, to the judgment that is soon to come, spoken from the prophet Isaiah, the king says, Good is the word of the Lord. If peace, truth be in my days. For a moment I preach. An apostolic inheritance is worth the fight. Amen. We receive your word today. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Give God praise, glory, honor, might, and power. Be unto the Lord God Almighty, omnipotent, he reigneth. Amen. And you may be seated. I thank you for standing. In respect to the many kings of Israel and of Judah, only a handful of them obeyed the commandments of the Lord. The nation itself almost always followed in the footsteps of their current king. It's a strange and oft bewildering fact that these chosen and called out people drifted so far from the source of their strength. Call it familiarity or complacency. Call it lust or greed or just plain carnality. But the truth is that while Israel had the wonders of the omnipotent God in their historical record with Red Sea crossings and manna from heaven, pillars of cloud and fire and a flowing river of water from a flint rock. They also had the need to blend in with the world in which they lived. None of the aforementioned miracles and wonders were enough to keep them connected to God. Because a miracle will not save you. A healing will not save you. As awesome and wonderful as the healing and miracle might be, many have forsaken their apostolic heritage after receiving their miracle. Many are backslidden this very morning, even though they were once healed of incurable diseases. 
Herein lies the decay of the called out. It happens when we are more concerned about blending and mixing than we are about pleasing God. Diluted doctrines and half-hearted lifestyles are, are more common than ever before. I'm coming now strong, ladies and gentlemen. When there is more complaint than praise, we're in trouble. When there is more self-serving than servanthood, we're in trouble. It means that we're not hearing from God for today and we're not thinking about tomorrow. Notice our text. It sits in a most unpleasant seat. The reply serves the limited interest and time of a single man. You see, Hezekiah was among the few kings who did obey the voice of the Lord. His attending prophet was the powerful Isaiah. He had wealth and victory. He had understanding and direction. And Hezekiah will live the duration of his life in the right path until the very end. I cannot imagine these next few lines. Hear me very carefully. In the end, Hezekiah failed. After years of seeking the face of God in worship and the hand of God for strength, Hezekiah, at the end, will abandon his own proven path of obedience to righteousness. It is the hope that every child and young person will give their best to God in the days of their youth. The gift of youthful strength is a fleeting treasure. Those who stray often often, uh, have a tough time coming back. Sadly, some never make it back to a life of holiness. But for those who have kept the faith and lived their entire life in this holy way, and then to leave it at the end... Those that spend, spent the duration of their living and their days serving the Lord only to relinquish it at the end of their lives. There is no deeper sorrow in my spirit than to watch the seasoned saint leave the faith. Not only have they turned their back on decades of belief, but they have compromised away the only inheritance that will ever make a difference. Hezekiah did this very thing. He's at the end of his life when Isaiah is sent from God. And Isaiah tells the king, king, set your house in order because this sickness that you have is unto death. You will not recover. But instead of accepting God's plan for his life, Hezekiah prays for more life and more days. Hezekiah has been given the greatest knowledge anyone in this room or in the world could ever be afforded. What is that knowledge? The knowledge of the day that you are going to die. To know how to set everything in order. Before you die is the greatest knowledge you'll ever have. But Hezekiah is not happy with God's decision. And he turns to the wall and he prays to God. And he reminds God of his faithfulness. And and God's goodness, he speaks the word back to Isaiah. And Isaiah turns back to the house and he goes to the room again. He says, God has granted your request. You have 15 more years of living. But in those last 15 years of life, Hezekiah changes. He rejects the words of the prophet. He gives access to the enemy. He opens the doors of the nation's treasury and of the temple. 
It's as if Hezekiah throws caution to the wind. There is no restraint in him. He's at the end of his life, but he's living as if he's at the beginning. Hezekiah has seen the wonders of God in so many ways, but at the end, he destroys the future of those who will come after him. Are you hearing me today? He's at the end of his life, but he's destroying the future of everyone who will come after him. And when confronted with God's judgment against him and against the nation, Hezekiah flippantly says, as long as it doesn't affect me, that's good news. The enemy's going to take away this place, Hezekiah. There'll be nothing left. It'll be in shambles. When you're gone, the enemy is coming to steal the treasure and the wealth of Israel. And to that distressing word, Hezekiah says, as long as there's peace while I'm alive, it it doesn't matter. Scroll back a little bit in your Bible. You'll find a united Israel, a united kingdom. And Solomon is sitting as the monarch. He has achieved what no one else has achieved and will ever achieve. To see it with your own eyes, well, it made the wise humble and the nations will bow. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Kings 10 that when the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, when she had seen all of his wisdom and wealth and the house that he had built, the, the food and the garments and the gold and the glam, even the steps that led him into the temple, I'll quote it, there was no more spirit in her. Just, it was just so all, breathtaking. She said the half has not been told, and it made her almost faint. Solomon, arrayed in splendor, unmatched by anyone before or after, he had God's blessing upon him. He had victories, a united nation. He had the temple. He had the Ark of the Covenant. He had honor, respect from both his own people and those beyond his borders. They feared him and admired him in a single breath. But in his gain which he would later call vanity, 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 it's all vanity. In that, he turned his back on the commandment of God. And toward the end of his life, Solomon forsook the law of the Lord. Let me read it to you. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, for as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my commandment and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend, rip, tear the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding, in thy days I will not do it for David thy father's sake but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son Howbeit, I will not rend it tear it away all the kingdom I'll give a one tribe for the son of my David's servant's sake and for Jerusalem's sake what I've chosen the inheritance is going to be lost Solomon it won't happen in your days but it will happen disunity is coming Solomon I will rend it I will tear it apart the inheritance that was to come to all those that follow you it will be gone The remnant of Jerusalem will remain, but it would always be less than what it could have been. Solomon gave away the future for his own current pleasure. And at the end of his life, after all the wonder had been squeezed out, and after all the victories had been seen and held, the palpable blessings that he held in his hand, after it came to his peak, he turned inward. He thought of himself. He thought about what pleased him. And in doing so, he traded away his personal gain for their future blessing. Like Hezekiah, he thought of himself. If it's, 
If it's good in my time, if it's good for me, if it doesn't affect me, what difference does it make? And I am moved today on this Sunday morning by the Holy Ghost to say to the greatest majority of our youth wrapped up in their, in their retreat right now, I'm so thankful for that. I'm moved by, Ju- by Jude's admonition to earnestly contend for the faith because this thing that I'm in right now, it's not about me any longer. It was when I was a child, but I moved past that point. It's about somebody else. I already know it. I held it. Let let me just help you now. Auditoriums that we're building and that we're in, they are mere tools. Classrooms are tools. Gymnasiums are tools. Cafes are tools. That's not what we're building. We're building lives. We're investing in an apostolic inheritance. And I'm moved today that the children in this house is the church on the move. The babies and the children that just came forward, that is the church. And we've got to invest in the church. They deserve what we've had. Yes. They need to see people shouting. That means you. Don't talk to me about your personality. If you're not a worshiper, you got a rotten personality. <laughs> oh, that's offensive. You can't cry, clap, praise, dance, shout, jump. There's something wrong with you. Who, who loved him more? The, the one that was forgiven the most. Now, if you've been forgiven a little bit, go ahead. Be part of the frozen chosen. Do nothing. But if you've been forgiven of everything and God brought you out and he set you up and he pulled you out, you've got no cause and reason to sit down and never praise him. You should use your voice and your hands and your feet and your strength. And if you got any jumping, you ought to jump and shout and say, thank you, Lord. Believe it or not, I don't always feel good. You may not know when I don't feel good. I used to tell people when I had a fever, a real fever, and Tammy said, stop telling people that you've got a fever. Then they worried about you, forget what you're saying. I don't always feel good. I don't always feel up. I might look happy. I'm not always happy. I'm not always joyful. I don't always feel like it. But I know somewhere behind me there's somebody watching. And I'm thinking to myself, well, then it's not about you. Put aside what you're feeling and set an example among the believers. All right. The children need to see people praying. They need to be familiar with what the Bible calls speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's the Bible. I think they need to learn how to be quiet and pause when there's tongues and interpretation. 
I think they need to revere when there's a word of prophecy given. This is the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. It may, listen, it may not be the modern church, but the modern church is not always the Bible church. I don't care about modernism. I care about the Bible. I'm not even hung up on what you're wearing as long as you're not. Because you might be. Because if you care about what you're wearing, then I I just want to say, you got your priorities messed up. If you're telling me you can't do that because you found you found this sale on for Gucci. I love hey, wear it, but sweat in that thing. You can't sweat in it, you can't dance in it, you ought not be wearing it. <laughs> you're the only one who cares, nobody else cares. Now listen, if you like it, fine. I like it. I, I want to wear something nice, but I've ruined a lot of shoes shouting. I've ruined a lot of suits worshiping. I'll take my jacket off and throw it at everybody if I need to. I don't care what it, it's nice for a moment, but it's not going to get in the way of my worship. I didn't come here for you, but I came here because someone's watching me and the Lord God omnipotent, he reigneth and he deserves my praise. Thank you, mother. Thank you, father. Thank you, elders. Come on, get back to old time Pentecost when we would shout and we didn't care what was going on. This is the apostolic heritage. Okay, I, I get it. I, I just felt that spirit rise up. Let me just address the spirit because you think you're educated. We got more degrees in here than a thermometer. You'd be surprised who's shouting and dancing the Holy Ghost and they have their PhD. Don't give me that. He chose the foolish things of the world to confine the wise and the abased things of the world to confound those that are knowledgeable. You're never going to figure out God. Go ahead and put your little education on the back shelf because when you enter into the presence of the Holy God, he'll confound you. He'll amaze you. He's awesome and his wonder is limitless. It concerns me. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) and it concerns me that those who have had the opportunity to have it all listen to pastor that was raised in this beautiful thing would withhold it from their children now you might not appreciate it but don't trade away their apostolic inheritance and keep it from your children. If they reject it in time, so be it. But give them a chance to see it for themselves. Give them a chance to make a commitment. 
It could be that financial blessings will open up to them that will carry them for the rest of their lives. If I teach my children about the continual financial flow, when we return to God our tithes and offerings, it happens when I teach them that they'll never outgive God. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring into you. Whatever you give, you receive. People will give to you. That's the principle. That's what Jesus said for all you red letter people. I cannot withhold sacrifice from my family. I need to tell my family about the apostolic heritage and inheritance. I need to talk about the windows of heaven and how God opens up windows and pours out blessings they cannot contain. And if it doesn't work and God is found out to be a liar, then let them have the chance to find it out on their own. But don't withhold that from them and say, oh, honey, you worked hard for that. Now, I'll go ahead and give for you. You're stealing their inheritance. You can't withhold the testimony of his provision and hide it from those who have never seen it, thinking that it will make their lives more comfortable. Life without sacrifice is tissue without bones. And tissue without bones is called a blob. I was waiting to get to this part. Uh Uh-huh. I don't even know how you're moving around. How can you even walk to the car? Got no sacrifice? That's how people live who give nothing and discourage their children from making a sacrifice. That's how we create an entitlement church. And that's how you give no apostolic inheritance To the next generation. Hezekiah was the leader. And all leaders have enemies. But in his final days, he was tired. Didn't want to fight the enemy. So he just began to relax. And he lost his fight. He lost his passion. He lost the protection that he had. And indeed... The Bible never records Hezekiah praying again. When the Lord answered him through Isaiah, Hezekiah never prayed in the scripture. It's never recorded again. Instead, he said the enemy might come. But if, if this whole thing is torn apart after I'm gone, well, that's good news for me. As long as there's peace in my time. Hezekiah said, as long as I'm not around to deal with it and and, and everything's good with us now, then it won't matter to me. And in doing so, he spoiled the inheritance for all those who came after. You see, peace is not always peace. Because peace without truth is called bondage. Peace without doctrine, that's called apostasy. Peace without a fight for holiness, that's called carnality. It's called compromise. It's compliance. It means that Hezekiah was not willing to stand up for what was right. So he gave away the sacred things and exposed the most precious things of God. And if we're not careful, we'll follow on that same path path by giving away what brought us to this place. It wasn't intelligence and it wasn't talent. It wasn't modernism or technology. Thank God for all of that. It wasn't our devotion 
to ourselves, but it was our devotion to the apostolic doctrine which was given by Jesus Christ himself. And here's your Bible. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. It was doctrine, fellowship, time at a table, and prayer. It was not innovative, but it was powerful, and it changed the whole world. And the result was this, the next verse. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Your heritage is more than a church service. It is the gospel. It is the mighty God in Christ. It is your pursuit of holiness, because Hebrews commands us to follow holiness. No man's going to see the Lord without holiness, Hebrews 12 and 14. And if we don't leave them this message, what are you leaving them? You're leaving them a 401k. Just so you know, your 401k has fallen on hard times in the last 35 days. Go ahead and blame whatever. Blame everybody. Blame everybody. Let me just tell you, it's the plan of God. Stop blaming everybody. It's the plan of God. Don't put your, I'm not saying don't have a retirement. Don't put your trust there. Don't get emotionally attached. The whole world's going to crumble and fall down because the Bible says the times and the seasons are in the hand of the Lord. We have this, we have this idea that this is just going to be forever. Let me, let me tell you, if you don't, hear me, ladies and gentlemen, everyone, hear me. If you don't protect the apostolic heritage, we'll have no apostolic inheritance. And don't think this is going to go on forever. It may not. Go to, go to the book of Revelation and, and look at the seven churches of Asia. Pergamos is gone. Ephesus is gone. Laodicea is gone. None of those churches exist. They had an expiration date. And I can point out a lot of churches that are gone today and they have expiration dates. And they're no longer sanctuaries. They're department stores. I can show you a lot of places. They're no longer sanctuaries where there was worship. Now they're storage facilities. Well, Pastor, we're 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 gonna we're gonna be okay. No, we're not gonna be okay. We're only gonna sustain what we have if we act like we did when we started this thing. And we started this thing through prayer and fasting and love and giving and Bible study and shouting and worshiping and doing it all over again, over and over and over again. Hey, if you love your children. Stop trying to buy silver and gold and stocks and Bitcoin and put your investment in the kingdom and put your investment in prayer and in fasting because that's the only thing that's going to last. All right, we have a few literalists in this house that I have to unpack that for you. Yes, please have a retirement plan and take out a life insurance policy. Come on now. But the problem is, if your focus is on yourself and not on the kingdom, you've got nothing. And if you say to me, well, Pastor, I don't have any children or grandchildren in church. Well, then would you do it for mine? Would you please shout, speak in tongues, roll on the floor and and prayer with groanings that cannot be uttered so that the babies that you just saw here can see that? (laughs) 
And I'm not trying to be self-deprecating. I may not be the greatest one to explain the gospel. But you, can you just appease me for a moment and know that I'm preaching the Bible doctrine? That we're not going to water down the Bible. There's not going to be a new version of the truth. I'm not better than my father. I'm not better than my pastor. I'm not better than my elders. And if I'm doing something unusual, it means that I just didn't stray and a lot of people did. I'm not doing anything unusual here. All I'm doing is following the same path that they were following 2,000 years ago when they opened up the Bible and said, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Please tell me that we're not going to leave our kids and grandkids and the children a church with no power. Please tell me that at the end of life, we're not going to dilute our commitment and say, you know, I've done that a long time. Get back in it and do it again. No miracles, no wonder, no fear. Are we going to leave them a nonchalant approach to a holy God? Hear me. He's an awesome God. He's a holy God. Always adjust your life to the word and to the Lord. Always, every day, you have to make an adjustment and an alignment to God. The Bible, Amos is dealing with this very issue. He said, I raised up your sons for prophets and your young men for Nazarites, but you deluded them. You negated their commitment. You told them not to prophesy and not to preach because there's nothing more convicting to a father and a mother to have a praying child in a home. I know where they're at right now. They spent three days digging down deep in a commitment. And when they get back to your home, they're going to be on fire from God. And you can squash that and pour water on it. All you have to do is say, you'll get over it. Or just live your half-hearted, hypocritical lifestyle. But I'm going to stand here on Sunday. I'm going to say, we're having our own retreat right now. Here's our retreat. We're going to be apostolic to the top of, from the top of our head. We're going to be born again of the water and the spirit every day. We're going to love God and serve God. If you believe that, you ought to clap your hands unto the Lord because the Lord is good and the word is true. Yes. Pardon me, I'm not trying to be edgy here. Please, uh, if you know my heart, but. This next line is, does not help me get a crowd. But you let your daughter embrace holiness while you go through some silly midlife crisis. Not only will you put a lot of tension in your home, but in time, she won't believe the truth. And you'll wish... That you gave her an apostolic inheritance. Careful. We're building an apostolic heritage and inheritance to our children. We're not building a Sunday religious ritual. Because the most important days is not just today. It's what we do when we put this word into practice. I want my children to feel this powerful Holy Spirit. I want to experience the wonders of God and healings and baptisms, prayer lines and groanings and travail. I want them to give to missionaries and the building fund. I want them to return tithes and offerings. And then, watch, then I want them to serve without expectation or re of recognition or reward. When you tell your kids or you tell the leaders, my child doesn't have time to serve in the church, you're stripping them of the blessing of God. 
Will you tell the church, I don't have time to do anything. I don't have time to teach and pray and clean and help and give. What you're doing is you're stripping your inheritance. You ought to just take all your bank accounts and just throw it out the window. Just drive down the highway and just take all your money that you've ever had and just throw it out the window. Go burn your house down. Because that's the same thing when you're not giving your children an apostolic inheritance. Why? Because we just wanted to have peace. We want to have peace. We don't want, you know, they don't, they don't believe in the Lord anymore, so we just don't want to have peace. We want to, Pastor, you don't understand. We want to have a good Thanksgiving dinner. Really? Oh. An apostolic inheritance is worth the effort, and if need be, an apostolic inheritance is worth the fight. So, I'm going to fight in the spirit against all the devils that withstand the truth. Because there's demonic spirits. I'll fight against all the fleshly people who complain and who would rather shut us down. I'll fight against all the people who said to me 13, 14 years ago, you'll never build that building. And we built it anyway. All of them are gone today, by the way. I'm going to fight through all that negativity and all that innuendos and all that junk. I'll fight through that. I'll fight through the man who told me how much money he gave the prior year in tithing. As if I was dependent on that large sum of money, but he's gone. I want to just tell you, God can give from unknown sources to complete his kingdom. I'm going to fight through all that. Listen, it is a fight. It is a fight. Because in my flesh, I start to think and rationalize. And, and I, I put the little analysis. And then I got to wipe that and say, I'm living by faith. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. And I know that God can bless your life. If you are a giver, he can bless you with an abundance. You cannot contain it. You just spill it over and say, I'll just take care of that, Pastor. <laughs> Hear me. If you're faithful in a little, he'll make you lord over many. Lord woke me up a couple weeks ago, put this in my mind. There's going to be a young man. He's going to come from places no one's even going to see him. He is going to be your armor bearer. I don't know. You're probably sitting in this house today. You haven't grasped everything that's happening, but the Lord is about to make you an armor bearer. That's a prophetic word. You heard it come from my voice, but that came from the Lord. I'm just a conduit. He's preparing you to be in a great armor bearer in the kingdom and in this house. I'll fight against my own fatigue and weariness. Lest we pause before we have a great revival breakthrough. That happens, ladies and gentlemen. You get fatigued. Paul said, don't be weary in well-doing. Not because he was thinking it might happen. He was saying it because it does happen. You can become weary in doing well. But he said, just hold on. Don't become weary in well-doing. Because due season's about to come. And when due season's about to come, you're going to reap if you faint not. You're going to grow even though you think you couldn't have. You're going to rise up even though you thought you'd never get up again. 
who's with me. We're going to fight for an apostolic inheritance. Just so you know, we're never going to stop building tools. We even got this one done. We're, on, we're thinking about, about the next one and the third one after that. There is no expiration date. Till Jesus comes back, we're going to reach our whole city. We're going to keep on doing it over and over and over and over again. We're going we're gonna to raise up more children and more grandchildren and more people. And we're going to bring in more folks. And we're going to have the borders of baptism going. And more people are going to be healed of incurable diseases. And we're going to fight against a perverse culture that would distort the holy things of God. And the current thing, just so you know, the current comment is, why don't you just call people by their preferred pronouns. It's, it, you're not losing anything. Yes, I am. I'm losing my sanity. You're not a plural. There's no plurality in you. And unless you're the queen, you don't get to say we. Because that's reserved for the monarch. And I know where you came from. You're not a plural. You're not a them. You're not a they. You're not an us. We're going to fight against that because we will lose something. We're not just losing our language. We lose the integrity of the word of God. Mm. You better start fighting for what's holy. And we're going to fight for our biblical values without compromise. We will fight the onslaught of new ways and new technologies that corrupt our family. And if you, and if you don't come to a marriage retreat next February, we're still going to have the marriage retreat. Wait a second. That's all right. And if you don't come to the Friday night revival, we're still going to have the Friday night revival. If you don't come to Sunday morning service, we're still going to have Sunday morning service. And you don't, you don't write down a commitment for prayer, prayer 300, we're still going to have prayer 300. And, and, and if you don't write a commitment to giving, we're still going to give, and we're still going to do, we're still going to work. And if you don't do it, somebody will. And don't think your seat is the only, you're the only person that can ever sit in that seat. God will put somebody in that seat if you don't like that seat. <laughs> you're not indispensable. I'm not indispensable. If I stop preaching the truth, the Lord can take me out, put another guy right here tomorrow, next week. I'm gone from Sunday to Sunday. You can say, well, that was fast, but don't we love our new preacher? That's right. That can happen. That happens all the time because this is contingent upon a holy God, not upon a talent or ability or charisma or a personality. This is God's church. It's the Lord's work. It's the kingdom work. I'm just happy to be a part of it. Listen, this is just the way I present. Don't get intoxicated on the presentation style. 
Stop that. If it's in the word, it's good. If it's spoken with honesty and integrity, it's the word. It'll sustain you the rest of your life. Amen. We're working. I'm almost through. (laughs) We're working on inheritance for those people who have yet walked in the door. Oh my, the blessing that they're about to receive. I had a friend years and years ago. He, he was in the, in the Bible college. And he, he had an older truck. And drove around his older truck. And, and um, he fell in love with a young lady. And man, he just chased her down for a couple of years. And finally he caught her. And... <laughs> And he asked her to marry him and he, he brought her home and introduced her to the family. And man, everybody fell in love with her. Little did she know, little did any of them know, he was very careful. That dude was loaded. He had houses. He had property. He had a big fat bank account. He said to me, man, wait till I show her our house. Fully furnished, big home. She had no idea. He didn't know who she would be, but he had been preparing for a long time. And he had been buying homes and fixing them up. He was a good carpenter. He had been fixing it up and that ratty old truck driving around. And when she married him, she did not realize what was behind that ratty old truck. He ain't driving a radio truck today, I'm going to tell you. She made him get rid of that. But man, when she married him, he said, look, honey, all of this is yours. (laughs) Man, she came back and said, I can't believe it. Do you know, I already, I couldn't pay my school bill, but I'm already a homeowner. Man, my fiance, he's got a lot of stuff. He said, it's all mine. You didn't know it, but you were in debt. They're struggling. They're miserable. They got skeletons in their closet. They look right. They ain't got no hair. They got nothing. But when they walked in, oh, the blessing of the apostolic inheritance. That the moment they're baptized in the only saving name, they just got everything. An apostolic inheritance is worth the fight. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the effort. So I'm just asking you to stand with me now. And I don't know how much room we have, but I need some people that would just wait, wait for the invitation. I need some people that would come to make a commitment that we are going to pass down this godly truth and the Bible doctrine to everyone who comes new or to the children or to the people, to the youth, that this is our commitment today. You don't have to write it down. You just have to live it every day. Because we're going to fight for this holy way. I, I grew up like this. This is how I grew up. I grew up in a church 
Fire, church. It's fire. Sometimes crazy stuff would happen, but it was okay. It, it didn't hurt me. It helped me. Brother Landers used to do a headstand. That was his form of worship. Listen, that's inappropriate. I can remember a person somewhere in the back that we get excited, they would throw their shoe up. Just don't do that. But it didn't hurt anybody. I don't think so. Maybe a couple stitches here and there. It was a Holy Ghost church, a fire church. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. That's how I came. If I change the pattern, the outcome's going to be different. I want the outcome to be the same. So we have to make sure this is a powerful church. Listen, you need to be healed in Jesus' name because you need a new, fresh anointing and fire and help and health. And it it's not just for you. But as Jesus said, why was the blind man blind? So that the works of God might be manifest through him. Your healing might just be for a witness to someone else that needs to see it. Why are you going through that trouble? So that someone else can witness. Hey, listen, if they still have their joy and their fire and their love, when I go through my trouble, I'm going to act like them. Oh, hear the word of the Lord today. Come on now, anyone who wants to make and everyone who wants to make that commitment to the, we're going to pass down the apostolic inheritance to everybody. No, we know them. We don't know them. Coming into this house are growing up in it all of their life. Raise up your hands to the Lord and just make the commitment. Lord, I'm going to defend truth and the scripture. That's right, wherever you are. And if you're watching this online, then just lift up your hand right now where you're traveling or where you're standing or sitting and just say, in the name of Jesus, I'm committing, Lord, to an apostolic inheritance. I'm going to give it to everybody that I can. I know the altar's not big enough to, to hold everybody. I thank you. But wherever you are, just lift up your hand and say, Lord, I'm committed to living a life unto you. Come on, that's right.